Hi everyone, welcome back. This is our fourth episode, so hi Don. Good morning, Sharon, how are you today? I'm very good, and yourself? Very well, thank you. Nice, we've had good feedback from our last three episodes. Um, We spoke about our lovely women who are going through absolute um, torture at home. But today we want to talk about what happens after. So what happens when you leave, when you get help? I always have these two scenarios every time we talk. I, I, I kind of have two sides of a thing where, for example, a man might have gotten everything he needed mm-hmm. from the woman. Yes. And he's he's just ready to discard her now because she's mm-hmm. woken up to him. She's seen him for what he is. She's starting to question and challenge him and he's lost control. So mm-hmm. he's going to just decide, well, I can't get anything more from her. So, you know, I'm just going to discard her and I'm going to move on and find somebody else. Mm-hmm. My other scenario is that um, the guy thinks I haven't got enough from her yet. I still think I can manipulate her. I still think I can get her back. Okay, I've lost her, but I'll do everything I can to try and reel her back in. And this can go on, reel her back in. She gets away yeah. again, reels her back in. She gets away again. So he's not done. He's done an awful lot of work here. Do you know, like he's not going to well, give up. he's not going to throw it all away easily. Exactly. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So you have the guy who's just, he's he's not bothered anymore. He's mm. used her. She's no good to him anymore. I'm going to find a new fresh supply. And then you have the other guy who says, oh, well, geez, I put an awful lot of work into this now. I'm not walking away. So how how do you feel about those two? Well, they, they both do happen. Principally, the guy who walks away and just turns his back on everything is more than likely a guy who's got the new life set up already, that he has his new partner in train for a while, and long before his wife tells him we're over or we need to finish, he's already made his uh, own arrangements, if you like, and he yeah. has another lady. And uh, some of the women, when they come to me at the beginning and I say, well, is there a possibility that he may have another girl? And they say, first of all, you know, that'd be great. And then they begin to realize, no, I wouldn't wish him on anybody, yeah. right? <laughs> so eventually they they feel sorry for any other woman that takes him on. Yeah. But a lot of guys have a, a second partner during the relationship and they turn to that woman then. And what's really invaluable for them with a new woman is to blame the old partner for everything. So she ends up being the greatest bitch in the community and a a terrible woman to live with. So the new partner gives him all the sympathy that he wants and then allows him to make his own demands subsequently. Yeah. The majority of men actually are committed to destroying their initial partner. And when that didn't work very well while they were living together and she is now saying to him, we're over and we need to move away from each other, he is very disappointed that his project didn't work completely. And so he doubles up on his efforts to break her down, to confuse her, to terrorize her. Yeah and to stop her from going on the direction she wants to go. So that can be really scary for women who plan to leave or who've already mentioned that they were about to leave. So one of the things I recommend to my clients if I meet them in time is I would say there's an old Irish saying, which may you be in heaven for a fortnight before the devil finds out you're dead. Well, that's what I would say to my clients. May you be gone a number of weeks before you ever tell him that you're leaving him. Okay. I, I said to do it in stages, even though that looks respectful and it looks uh, that he will kind of cooperate in some small way, he actually won't. He'll use the information to terrorize you and hopefully change your plans. Okay. And what complicates that then is there are probably a number of children who don't want the partnership to break up anyway. Yeah. There are very few parents who hear from their children, you know, I don't mind what you do or we could go and live somewhere else or whatever. But yet when I ask a lot of my clients, they tell me four or five or six-year-old children would have told them years before, ma'am, how did we end up together? How did you end up with dad? Because he doesn't treat you very well. So even young children are able to see 
the, the behavior and able to judge it as being inappropriate. But uh, when it comes to asking teenagers what they'd like, they usually consider themselves first and not their parents. So it's hard to please everybody. (laughs) But moving out can be a very high risk time. Yeah. And some of my clients have changed their mind. Mm -hmm. They've been so terrorized by the prospect of it. And also when they reveal their plans, he will stymie their plans. So if the plan is to move somewhere locally, he will arrange that nobody will give her rent locally. He will tell her she has to keep the kids at the local school so she can't go too far away yeah. and he will make demands that suit himself and make it very difficult for the woman to move on with her life. So the other thing is, before I came on the air this morning, I was thinking, what have I heard? Mm-hmm. And I suppose the most common ones are that the woman is an alcoholic yeah, or that she is uh of poor morals, in other words, that she's having yep. affairs with every she's Tom, Dick and woman, Harry, yeah. right? A loose woman. Uh, and the third thing is that she spends all his money so the poor man oh, doesn't yes. have any yeah, high maintenance so thing. Yeah, she, yeah. She's spending everything that she can lay her hands on, that she doesn't contribute to the house. So yeah. he will try and convince her that she has no right to the house, yeah. that when the house will be, if ever, be sold, that he'll get all the money because he she can She lives rent-free in her own home. Abs- absolutely. And one of the most damaging things is that he tells the woman that nobody else would have her so that she is not, no longer an attractive person and that she won't have anybody in her life and her children will all go with him and she'll be on her own. And that's quite scary for a woman who's living in a family for 20 years to be threatened with that kind of isolation. And so a lot of things are like that are used to frighten her into changing her mind. But the ultimate aim of all of it is to confuse her. Yeah. So even if she's not completely afraid, she becomes completely confused. And when you have a confused mind, I don't know, it applies to me anyway. <laughs> Sharon, you're probably very different. Well, oh, with no, me, I was confused when, when for I'm a long time. <laughs> when, when, I can, when I have a confused mind, I make a balls of every decision that I try to make, right? Well, it's very hard to make a decision when you're, when you're, my, when you're in uh, constant conflict with your, with your own thoughts. So confusion is, is, is really the keystone of what he's aiming for. And he believes that if he can create enough confusion that the woman will change her mind and reverse her decision and that she will go back to bed with him eventually. Yeah. Well, she'll be stuck. Like, she'll well, be yes. frozen. Yes. Because yes. she can't She can't decide which way to go. She She's kind of frozen in, in a position where if I go one way, this will happen. If I go another way. And she doesn't really know. So she's kind of stuck in the middle. Yeah, and on top of that, she's been told for the length of the time of the general of the, the relationship that she isn't any good. Yeah. That she's very a very inadequate woman. So, if she's going to be facing these huge problems, she feels, oh, I I, I couldn't handle that, or yeah. I don't know how to handle that. So, it 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 really is quite traumatic for a lot of women to be pressurized in that way. It, it's different pressure from the initial control because that can be. Uh, established and maintained very easily once the guy gets it right the first time he can just maintain it yeah. but this try to regaining control under the new circumstance is quite difficult and the really sad thing is that it is also the most uh, high risk time for the woman yeah. and she can be assaulted she can be raped or she can be killed exactly yeah yeah and this is why I want to reiterate again if there's anyone out there listening and you come across someone who is trying to tell you, you know, that things are um, a little bit difficult at home. The worst question you can ask, and we've said it before, I think we've said it on every podcast, is, well, why don't you just leave? Mm-hmm. Why don't you just get up and pack mm-hmm. and leave? Yeah. Because it's just not that simple. And as you just said there, it's the most dangerous time when a woman tries to escape from these relationships. That's when her life is, is most at most, risk. Absolutely. Absolutely, Sharon. And and the other fascinating thing about it, uh, or scary thing about it as well, is that the man changes his tactics without she being aware of it. 
So she thinks he's just continuing on with his old stories and old demands, but he's not. He has a new agenda. Mm -hmm. And what most of my clients fail to understand is that everything he does is deliberate. Yeah. So he says something knowing that this is the impact that it will have on the woman. It'll confuse her, it'll frighten her, or it'll change her mind. And he is excellent at doing that because he is already aware of how she thinks and how her inner life works and how her own concept of herself is absolutely shattered by his constant picking at her. Yeah. So she thinks she's absolutely useless and yeah. second class. Oh, yeah. The confidence is all gone. Mm -hmm. It's a constant torrent of um, minute little things that are just would go over anybody else's head. But if if you're being pummeled with them day in and day out, it just strips you of, of, of everything, exactly. of your exactly. dignity, of your exactly. confidence, of your, so, your so self-worth. One of the things I like to explain to my clients is that before she met her abuser, she was a very decent woman. Mm -hmm. She's still a very decent woman, but her essence is hidden. Because when she tried over the last number of years in the relationship to be herself, she was knocked down straight away. She wasn't allowed to be herself. She had to follow his opinions and instructions from day one. Yeah. So she actually hides away in her own instinct. Yeah. And when I tell my clients, maybe if you could contact your own instinct again, have a little chat with it when there's nobody looking because people get locked up for talking to themselves, <laughs> you know. But if you're You'll be feeding into his... Um, absolutely. Yeah, what he's saying. Yeah, look yeah, look at her now, she's definitely mad. So when you can talk to yourself when there's nobody around or yeah. go for a walk in the woods and have a conversation with nature, the woman's real entity, her own being, will begin to re-emerge. Yeah. And the strange thing is, when I say that to women, they say, oh, but Don, I don't know where I am or I don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, this is who you are. You are the woman who, before you met your abuser, was quite capable, reasonably confident, mm -hmm. with reasonable ability and a, a, a conf confidence to be able to cope with your own life. Yeah. And make decisions, and sometimes they were very good decisions, and sometimes they weren't very good decisions, but you coped with the outcome of them all, yeah. and you were getting on with your life, and this man changed all of that, but you are not damaged. I really cringe when I hear people, you must go to therapy now, and you must go to counselling, you must talk yeah, to yeah, 10 yeah. different people. You need people. to fix, fix yourself. Fix yeah. yourself. There's yeah. nothing wrong with these women, except that they're hidden, and when they reemerge then they can be as good as they were before they ever met the abuser. Yeah. So do you mind if I just move on for a second? Oh, we're because great, yeah. I'm conscious of something that I may forget to say afterwards. Of course. Over the 30 years that I've worked in the area, what to me is more damaging is when the woman emerges from the cocoon that she's living in with her partner and she goes out into the public domain to look for guidance or help or understanding mm -hmm. she is very badly served yes okay so when this woman approaches what she really needs is protection for her inner life she okay. needs to be left alone yeah right because in her inner world she has all the ability to figure out how to create a new life and a good life for herself and the people that she's responsible for if she has children. Okay. She's quite capable of it, but yet uh, society and the medical profession and the psychological profession all see her as damaged. Okay. And that is a really, really horrible thing to do to a woman who's already been seen as damaged or presented as damaged by him. Okay. So she gets a whole new plethora of people actually all putting her down as well. Okay. And a lot of my clients have taught me over the years, when they were in the system, the level of abuse that they experienced was actually worse than the abuse they got from their partners. Okay. And, and that really is a strong statement, but that's the truth of it, because they are 
they come for help, they come full of confidence and full of expectation, and what they get is criticism and blame. Yeah. And they are seen as part of the problem. It's not understood. No, it's, they don't there's, understand. there's nobody bothers to think even beyond step one. So this woman knocks on a door. Yeah. So, oh, we have a client and we need to deal with this woman. Yeah. And so she is putting pressure on the service because all services are under pressure. Yeah. So this woman, there's another woman in coming in today who's going to put pressure on the service. Okay. So we need to sort her out. Okay. And it is brutal and cruel that you experience that even from outreach services and women's services. Certainly you experience it from the legal services. Oh, yes. The solicitors and the barristers. And God love us, the poor judges who don't know what's going on at all. Wait till we talk about them. Oh, right. (laughs) And then initially a lot of the women go to the guardie. Yeah. And the guardie are also lost. They have no idea. So this woman becomes an issue for them mm-hmm. and they focus on her. And if she, if we could sort her out, then th- that's one less person we have to deal with. But they don't go beyond her and look at him at all. So there are very, very few people working in any of the areas. I mean, the women's services have told me over the last 30 years, we are told not to go anywhere near men. We are told they're not worth thinking about. So we don't think about them. We concentrate on the woman. Okay. But then they make the woman the problem. Okay. How do they do that? Well, they make it the problem because like all well-intentioned people, they give some excellent advice. Yeah. And then the woman can't put it into place. Okay. Because while they're sitting with these um, experts and these um, advisors of all description, the advisors are telling them, that this is what you do, Mary. Okay. This is how you go about it, Mary. We will sit here in our office and give you all the information that we think is necessary, but it's up to you. To so it's it up out. to her alone then to go out and, to go out and, and go back in home it. and back into the, the his field yeah. and to sort him out. Yeah. And that is very difficult to do. And as a matter of fact, it is, to my mind, the wrong thing to tell Mary to do. Okay. So... When that happens, Mary is more alone than ever. And I have met women who have been to several services and several counselling agencies, eight and ten years, some of them. It's really sad to see them. And they tell me, I've been going to this place and I'm going to that place and nothing has changed. Maybe sometimes I feel worse because I should be able to deal with him by now because I've got all this good information. All this information, yeah, yeah knowledge, yeah. 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 So what all these people have ignored or they just don't know is that these guys are impossible to deal with by Mary. Oh yeah, you can't, you can't have a communication, a conversation. Um, it it yeah. doesn't matter what you say, Mary is second class in that relationship yeah, yeah. and she's treated worse than the dog. That's it, yeah. Right? So she has no opinion no value in terms of what she wants or says. So if she goes home and tells, I was told by such an advisor or such a counsellor to change this or to get you to do that or whatever, he will do the opposite. Yeah. Right. So Mary feels even more powerless then because I have met the women who say, well, Don, I'm in therapy for 10 years and my life has got worse. 10 and years is a long time to be in therapy. <laughs> a long time. But I've met them and they go to groups and they go to uh, private counsellors and everything and they go to the guardian and solicitors and everything. But nothing happens except they feel more inadequate than when they went first day. Okay. And that's a tragedy. And it happens repeatedly because we fail to understand what she's dealing with. I mean, if you're going to therapy for 10 years, you're trying your damn hardest to find a solution. And if it's taking 10 years and you still haven't found a solution, then there is an issue there, most definitely. Well, it's interesting you should say that now, Sean, because after one of our podcasts, I don't know which one, but a lady rang me and I missed the call. So when I rang her back, she was standing in a checkout. Right. Uh, she, she didn't name which supermarket line she was in, but she said, I'm here in a checkout, Dom. And I, well, I said, look, I, I don't want to really talk to you much today now because not the appropriate pace. Or she says, I need to hear something. Okay. Tell me something that I can think about and then I can give you a ring in maybe in a week or so. 
So I said, if I was to work with you, her name was Anne, I said, if I was to work with you, Anne, I would want you to begin to convince yourself that you are not to blame for any of the problems you have. Yeah, that is so important. And I was a bit anxious because she actually burst out crying. Oh, no. In, in, <laughs> oh, no. in, in the supermarket. Oh. And she said, I'm going around the back of a shelf here now, she said. And oh. she was really distraught for a minute. Bless her. She yeah. said, but that was, she said, if I could only convince myself of that now, she said, yeah. then my life would be very different. So something as simple as that little key yeah. for that woman's mind to change all the other advice that she got over the years. And she's been in and out of lots of places. She was in her courts even. And this is how she was still. And I said, if you if you stop blaming yourself, it would become much clearer what you're dealing with. Yeah, that's very important because we, as women, even if you're not being abused, we blame yourselves for everything when you're ra- raising your kid. Oh, well, ha- kid ha- like you know? I, I'm a married man. Half yeah. that's right anyway. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you might blame Gee, yourself you're not too, saints, yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Am I being sexist there? Am I? But, um, all yeah, the time. Yeah. All the time. All the time. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, but we, I think, well, I don't know if it's just Irish people, we have a guilt complex, don't we? we like, Yeah, yeah. I don't Huge. know if that's just an Irish thing or if it's a worldwide thing, but I think... We were brought up to be guilty, just, you know, like it's well, a... Well, sadly, we were brought up in a Christian way yeah. to believe that our role, in, our role in, our, in, in, in the community was to take care of our neighbour. That was the word that was used when I was going to school anyway. Yeah. That, that included every Tom, Dick and Harry, you know. But you had to be nice to other people. Yeah. So that's how... Certainly my sisters were raised up. Uh, that was their duty in life. and Smile. Smile. Be and pleasant. Be pleasant. And there used to be a lady, Angela McNamara, would come on the radio every day at two o'clock or something. And she used to have an advisory program, sponsored program at the time. And her advice was, well, now, dear, put on your makeup and have his dinner ready when he comes Oh, home. I've, I've seen those books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Two books. yeah. How to please your man in, in uh, absolutely, you know, yeah. um, a book be handed to you before you get married and yeah, your, your yeah. duties and make sure that you look pleasant when you come home, absolutely. when he gets home from a hard day's work. Yeah, Don't yeah. ask him too many questions mm-hmm. because he's tired. Make sure his dinner is ready. Have his right. slippers ready. This isn't mm-hmm. long ago. Um, I know that. No, no. And I was even speaking to my dad yesterday um, about the fact that women had to give up their jobs when they got married, which which isn't that long ago as well, you know, which is um, total discrimination. So So one of the things that all of this added up to was that, and actually I was speaking to a woman yesterday about it who made it very clear to me, that women were regarded by a large minority of men as possessions. Now, even in the Irish Constitution... Is that not more on a large minority of men? <laughs> well, no, that, like it, would be, it wouldn't be 50%, but it would be 40% But it'd be, so, it'd be yeah, decent, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that uh, even in the Constitution, it was regarded, women were regarded as a chattel, okay. which, which was some a possession, really, in other words. And that's how they were referred to in the Constitution up quite recently. And the Constitution was written in the 30s, yeah, and that shows you how backward thinking was about women. But what is even more scandalous and more difficult to eliminate or even to challenge now is this idea that once a woman gives consent to a man in the bedroom, she's giving permanent consent. Yeah, yeah. That that rape is, in marriage. It's only recently that that became illegal as well, isn't it? So. It, 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 it's only very, very recently. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the, the Minister for State, when it was introduced, or the Minister for Justice, when it was introduced back, I think it was in the, late, the early 80s, he said there was no need for the new legislation. He oh, said there was no such thing as Publicly, he said that publicly. Yeah, he, said, oh, he, made, he made a big speech about it in the doll, yeah. What a horrendous yeah, man. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was horrendous in other ways too, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, so the whole issue of uh, women being second class is designed to keep them second class in the bedroom. And when I was talking to my client yesterday and I'd asked her some years ago and she kind of didn't want to talk about anything in the bedroom, she was talking to me about it and she said, 
this woman now would be in her 50s. One of the things that was very important for me, she said, is I wanted to be a virgin till I got married. Okay. I didn't want to have sex with other men and then start a different relationship. So she went out with this guy for a while then and they were talking about getting married and then he raped her and she became totally confused but he told her that she was oversensitive and that she was okay. old-fashioned and that he she deflected. needed to brighten up her, her yeah. act and get, 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 get on with the new Or gaslighted scene. her, was it? Sorry, we'd yeah. use the word, yeah, 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 yeah trying yeah, to change yeah. her reality. So I said to her, did you forget it then or did you think that that would be the only time? And she said, I did. And then I got married, she said. And the morning after the night before, we had a long late night, she said, a lot of Prosecco and yeah. other forms of alcohol being consumed <laughs> and all that. And in the morning, he demanded sex. Okay. And she said to him, I'm John, I'm really, really unwell. I've way too much to drink. I just can't face it this morning. And he said, Mary, you are now my position. Oh, gee. I will treat you as whatever way I want to. So I'm going to have sex with you. That's terrifying. That terrifying. is so terrifying. This is a young woman, 25 years of age, just married. Oh, my goodness. And being told that on the morning of after her wedding. That is absolutely... And I said... Gives me shivers, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, I know. Just when you see it in that yeah. starkly, it, it creates huge anxiety. And I said to her, did that attitude change? Got worse. And she was married. She is married. She's in the process of separating, but she was married for 20 odd years. My goodness. So, but thank God she's getting out now and yes. she can have a life. She's still young enough to have a good... A good time for herself. She so. is. She can go back to being herself and start yep. her own world again. And I keep telling uh, my clients that, well, that's the first 50 years of a shite, but the next 50 years is going to be brilliant <laughs> now, right? And most of them say I'll never live that long after what I've been through. But actually, I have met women in their 80s yep. who are really, really thriving. It's a second lease of life. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And one of the things I try to establish for my clients is that when I'm working with them, I try to rebuild their emotional shield. Okay. And what I mean by that is that when we are living our own life, we can have strong and healthy emotions about lots of things, but we can deal with them because we allow the men when we're ready to deal with them okay. or we process it in our own way when they occur. But when they are with an abuser, his skill is in dismantling that emotional shield. Okay. She never knows from one day to the next whether she's going to be happy or sad or terrified or confused or embarrassed or ashamed. Yeah. So all these emotions are driven by him and he can dictate a change of emotion in a half a sentence. Yeah. So she can go out full of the joy. One of my clients it was, she was a very good looking, very presentable woman, if you like, and he used her as part of his career progress by bringing her to functions and Okay. having her on his arm and all that. Arm candy, as they say, yeah, yeah. yes. And, so. and, and she would put a huge effort into getting ready and being presentable. And while everybody was saying, oh, God, Mary, you look stunning and you that's yeah. a lovely outfit and all that, he would whisper into her ear, you look like a piece of shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's that's the only thing she heard. That's the only thing she yeah. heard, yeah. yeah. She yeah. missed all the others. Yeah, yeah. And, and she heard that remark and she said, she would say to herself, oh, my God, He's going to have a go at me when I go home tonight now yeah. because of that. So that's her stress for the night, that's upset. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All yeah. on age. It's just horrendous. Um, okay, so these guys are very skilled at manipulation and everything, but do you think they use people around them to control their partners as well, like other f family members? I know you've, you, you've said it before that they groom their friends and they groom this, that and the other. But if they don't want to appear directly as the abuser, could they use another person to see how would I put this into words that you would be in the relationship, but he's um, using another person to make you feel oh, watched yeah, and under control? Absolutely. I, I don't know uh, how many of my listeners are uh, come from anywhere like a large family, with like yeah. three or four kids and all of that. But usually, I mean, 
there are some really, really holy families, very saintly families, but most families, people don't get on with each other. At least one yeah. couple in the in, in, There's in, always in, a bit of turmoil. The There's always a bit of anxiety and turmoil. So what we call on Mary, what Mary would tell the guy right at the beginning of the re- relationship is, I get on well with my older sister. My younger sister, doesn't. we don't have any relationship really, or my brother, he's gone and he lives elsewhere or whatever. Yeah. And then they say, well, my mother was very hard to me when I was a child okay. or whatever other way. My father yeah. was very hard. <laughs> and he stores that information okay. until he uh, needs to use it. And then he will tell the hard parent or the hard sibling. He will say, I don't know what to do with Mary. Oh, yeah. yeah. We she's, said this she's, before. She, yeah. When we go home, she attacks me. She's always giving out to me. I can't handle her. And then the sibling or the parent joins in. Yeah, yeah. And then Mary gets delighted, a phone call. Yeah, to have a- I, I, I knew, Mary, you were doing it wrong. And you come over here and you tell us that you're miserable and your life is tough and all yeah. that. But actually, we now know the truth. Yeah. You're as big a bitch now as you are when you were living at home. That's terrible. And that kind of thing. And he isolates her from yeah. any of those people. But you're right, he actually uses some of these people to and his to own family as well so say he's, he, oh, he comes from a he's big a, family he's, no no he's and usually one of the things that is kind of constant is that these guys get on very well with their own mothers yes right? yeah I was going to bring the mother-in-law into it now oh yes, listen yes, to me yes. the mother-in-law <laughs> is a source of this is great... kind of where I was going with with this conversation <laughs> well we leave we leave your mother-in-law out of it now for now but in general mother-in-laws are really difficult to cope with because they don't in any way condemn their sons. So no matter what is reported or no matter what piece of information they get about the difficulty in the relationship, they drop the blame on the mother. And they're not the only people that do that, but they do it in a very, very deliberate and powerful way. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember way back in the, uh, 30 years ago or almost when I started this work first and one of my clients said to me, Don, I'm thinking of going to his mom and explaining to her what's going on. And I was a bit naive at the time. I'm still a bit naive really <laughs> at times, but I was very naive at that time. And I said, uh, yeah, that might be a good idea. Well, Uh-oh. she came back a fortnight later and said, you've no idea what happened. So it, it was horrendous, the reception she got and the abuse she got. Mm-hmm. And the uh, somehow being harangued about everything, even things that she hadn't mentioned, they were all thrown into the melting pot as well. Okay. So she came out of there with her tail between her legs and said, I will never talk to that woman again if, yeah. I, if I can yeah. avoid it, you know. So these people are used deliberately by him and they are and can be more damaging to the woman than her her partner because when she hears it from outside the family unit, she begins to think, oh, the whole world thinks I'm a bad woman. That's it. And... I love this conversation about the mother-in-law <laughs> to, to have. Um, do you find that they have, um, when you've worked with clients in that, that they've told you that their their partners have an unhealthy relationship with their mother, as in their mother, even if they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, their mother is still controlling their lives or as they want you to see it that the mother is still pulling the strings and interfering no, in their marriage so, sometimes and yes watching Some, everything they sometimes do. yes they blame them the, the their own mother the, the guy yeah. will blame the mother for a decision that he makes which is seldom true the guys make up their own minds yeah but they do include their mothers in everything yeah so the woman gets a, a so there's three in the marriage. There isn't two people. Oh, uh, there's three yeah, in the marriage. Uh, three and four. Yeah. Because probably his mistress as well. Oh, well, yes. yes. Right. <laughs> uh, even though she's supposed to be hidden, he's bringing back information from these people Our as well. Our ladies of the night for some of them as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little anecdote now. I had a very elderly client and she was the most honest woman that I've met. And she said to me one day, Don, You'll be interested in this now, Sharon. Yes. I, I, I was in his car waiting for him one day and I opened the glove box just to see what was in the glove box and there was a list of three names and three phone numbers and she said, I took the list 
Okay. And I checked it out afterwards to discover there were three escort agencies. Uh, these ladies. Goodness. And when she went to confront her partner, he said to her, Well, now, Mary, you know I do a bit of charity work for the Vincent de Oh, Paul. there's always. And she, they have asked me to interview these women to know what do they need in terms he of. He had their, his story all. All, all so wrapped up and. Perfect. And I wonder, did he leave those names there deliberately as a test as well? I, I, I don't know that he he he's not a foolish man or. Yeah, I don't know yeah, because I think, I think they, I think they, they, they put out tests that they yeah. do these things like those three names and those three numbers that he might have left them deliberately for her to find yes. to see what she'd do about it to absolutely. see is she still loyal to me now and mm. can I still get away with, yeah, with this absolutely. and he had his story because I do think that they they threw out these tests a- a- Another test that uh, I'm only becoming familiar with now and I haven't researched properly yet but I'm certainly seeing a lot more of it now that I ask questions about it Okay is that a lot of my clients have been controlled by the idea that the father is in some way sexually abusing the child and that there is evidence and there is uh, uh, children saying things and there are officials and uh, statutory bodies all being invited in to see what's going on. And... The statutory agencies don't intervene because they are uncertain and okay. they are confused and they're not sure if the woman is making it up. But I have a feeling now that it is just another weapon that the men make up. Okay. And they uh, probably redden the child in some sexual areas or they... Okay. They behave sexually in, in a way that uh, embarrasses the child or whatever. But the my feeling now is because I'm meeting a number of the women in the last okay. two or three years when I'm asked questions about it, is that it is a new tactic. Okay. And it goes down the route of parental alienation then that the huge. woman will be accused in, in court of parental alienation because she's accusing the husband she's of... She's accusing her husband. And so he's and he's He takes the children and uh, I, I was in the high court with a lady and the only concession that she'd make was that she would never accuse him again. And that was after living for five and nearly six years without seeing her child. Because but what does that do to the children? I have, I have no idea now. It's, as I say, I'm only just beginning, becoming yeah. aware of it now. So I'd imagine in the in the future, it will leave children very confused and very oh, yeah. ang- anxious. Well, knowing the, the, the dangerous and the evil psychological um, mindset of these these men, yes. I can wholeheartedly believe that they would do something like that. Yeah, that they would use a child in that way yeah, to yeah. destroy the relationship and to destroy them. Because over. as you said before, everything is intentional. So they, yes. and they, they, they have a plan. Like um, mm. you said there before as well, that, you know, our, our guy who is discarding the woman, he's been working on finding a replacement long before she even mm. knew the relationship was, was um, coming, to go, an end, yeah. coming to an end. Yeah. Yeah. And, and his behaviour got worse and worse with her. He, you know, he ter- start turning friends against her, start turning family against her, even more so than than before. Mm-hmm. So the the tactics, the long game of these guys, um, it's just it's unreal. It's <laughs> well, it, it I, I've always said it's beyond belief. Yeah, I've I've always said that there's a level of evil and malevolence within these guys' uh, behaviors. That a normal person just can't get their head around. It's just beyond our belief. And yeah. and the way they do it as well, so under the radar, mm-hmm. you know, so hidden and yes. and quiet. Yes, that very, the way that they very they subtle, can, very subtle. They yeah. can do what they do mm-hmm. without anyone becoming suspicious of it. Oh, it's uh, nobody can see it. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's the skill really. Yeah, that that they probably some of them are good at it from the beginning, but some of them might need to practice it. So some of these guys have a few dry runs with women until yeah. they get good at it. But when they're good at it, they be- they become very skilled at it. And the other interesting thing is that uh, just going back to court and what happens there, I-, I have a solicitor friend who put it very aptly to me. He said, Don, it's like trying to catch a snake. Yeah. When you're trying to deal with these guys, they wriggle and duck and dive and you can never pin them down. 
And the reason for that is that primarily they can lie in court yeah. without being sanctioned. So there is a move now, I believe, that uh, perjury in the family law courts will become an issue. Well, about time. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But it, it, yeah, it, these guys can't get away with their lies anymore. But while they're lying, people are confused, if not yeah. really on their side, they still don't know what to do. But how does a judge, like a judge sits there for what, 10 minutes, half an hour, an hour maybe, and they have to decide their woman is emotional. Women are always going to be emotional, but they're castigated in court for being emotional. Mm-hmm. And it's held against them because mm-hmm. she's just hysterical now. You just look like an hysterical woman. You're making no sense. Yeah. Don't cry in court. Mm-hmm. Don't say this. Don't say mm-hmm. that. You can't mention this. You can't uh, say this, that and the other. Um, well, well, worse than that. But then the man can go up and sit and, and cry his eyes out. And he's, most, and he's given most sympathy. Most of the women are reluctant to speak in court because they're terrified of the whole oh, process, yeah. right? And they, the solicitors don't speak on their behalf. The solicitors actually only say what the judge would like them to say. Yeah. So they, they don't hear anything. But I sat in a circuit court in the sunny southeast about two years ago. And this man sat on the evidence for two and a half hours solid. Wow. And the principle of his evidence was that his wife was mentally unwell. But during all of that time, he produced no evidence. No evidence whatsoever. No evidence, just statement well, after statement. How was statement. he allowed to talk for two and a half hours? I have no idea. His barrister was encouraging him and the judge just sat and listened to him. Yeah. And when it was over, I was actually looking at the judge and I, I was in a position in the court where I wasn't allowed to speak myself. Okay. But the judge turned to me and she said to me, Mr. Hennessy, I notice you're watching me. And I, um, she said, what's going on in your head? And I said, well, I'm actually trying to figure out, Judge, how the hell do you listen to that rubbish repeatedly? <laughs> That's all I said. Yeah. And what was the outcome of your life? Well, the outcome was that the, 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 the process is still almost finished. He's yeah. appealing the final outcome at this stage. Right. But the, the, the woman has got most of what she deserved. Okay. And the, the decisions have been as much in her favour as they could be. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think in family court, um, not to scare anyone now who's going to be going into family court, but it's not a ple- it's not a pleasant place to be. And one of the the bad things about it as well is it's in camera, so it's mm. private. So whatever happens in family court stays in family court. So you know it's not made public. Judges' decisions, um, you can't talk about it outside yeah. of it so you can't walk out and say well I I got treated so badly in there now mm-hmm. I this this is terrible this that and other because you're you're banned legally from from speaking about what goes on behind closed doors I have a compa- so it's the same as what happened in your marriage it's behind closed um, doors it's then you go into co- court it's worse. and it's behind closed doors it's again worse. and you're I think women are treated horrendously in Absolutely. family court yeah I I have I suppose my initial position with most women is don't go near the court Right. And when it's all said and done, if the decision is it goes against you, you can appeal it. But until that time, don't play the game. Mm-hmm. Don't be there every six months. Like one of my clients who was actually on speaking to me this morning has been in and out of court 29 times in the last three years. Oh, my goodness. Like, how do you even... How do you stay sane? How do you stay sane? That? How do you live? How do you yeah, work? How yeah, do you, yeah, you can't work. Yeah, she can't yeah. take a job. Her mind is full of this you'd lose, stuff. You'd lose your job if you had to yeah, be yeah, um, taking time off like that all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. And she's still not finished with the courts. Well, that's what he says anyway. My good God. Um, the And the cost of it as well. Okay, there's legal aid. If you qualify for legal aid, you know, that's fine. Um, but then if you don't qualify for legal aid and you have to employ a solicitor, then, you know, you go to family court and then it's adjourned and then you have to pay for this that's lister that's and then right. it's pushed on and then it's adjourned and yeah. adjourned. But you still have to pay the legal indeed, fees, indeed, um, indeed. which which is completely unfair to the, the general public. Well, one of the things that I hope for in the future is that all these um, refuges and support services around the country or maybe some new agencies will emerge, yeah. but they will all have a legal solicitor to help women in these cases. That's a great a idea. A solicitor that would be trained yeah. to recognise what's going on and to protect the woman through the process. 
That's what women need. It's not any more advice. They need protection. Yeah. And once they're protected, they'll sort out their own lives. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really good. Um, we don't want to scare anyone by talking about the the um family law because uh, a lot of people are going to be going into it, but just to be prepared that it's not a pleasant I, place I, to I, be. I, I can assure you that every woman that I've ever met is scared long before they go in yeah, there. So well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we yeah. won't be doing any more no, than no, what's already in place. <laughs> They're all terrified of it yeah. because whatever little bit of uh, assertiveness you have or whatever little bit of clarity you have, all disappears as soon as you stand inside in the court yeah. because you're second class in there as well. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Even with female judges. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, which I, I think they're nearly worse than the male judges. <laughs> well, you see, I was if I was going to say anything about that now, you would have said to me, oh, geez, Don, you're biased or you're uh, uh, misogynist or whatever. But in the 30 years that I've worked, I have never experienced so much vitriol as I have from women about my clients. Yeah. Women, I find, are cruel and savage about my clients. Yeah. When we talk about men, we talk about specific type, yes, of, yes. Ty- type of men, not all men, no, as, as we've said before. You know, there are, yeah, yeah, there are yeah. the odd decent ladder. <laughs> Hopefully. Quite a lot of them. Um, uh, but women can be so harsh on each other. Um, and I've, I've heard it as well. Um, from people who have spoken to their friends to try and get help from friends and friends have said, Asher, what's wrong with you? Sure, he's great. Aren't you lucky to have him? Or don't you have a lovely home? Yeah. Don't you have lovely kids? What's wrong with you? And they don't get support from their friends. Oh, no. Yeah. One of the really sad things is that there are, uh, there, there are a group of women who see themselves as superior to the abused woman. Yeah. The attitude is, by God, I wouldn't let that happen Exactly, to me, yeah, right? yeah. And that's the cruelest thing of all because nobody is safe. No. Unless the woman is very much uh, self-centered, she could be into a relationship tomorrow with an abusive man without knowing it. Oh, yeah. And in 10 years' time, she'll be in the same position as the woman she now castigates. That's it. But the women don't understand that. And some of those women might already be in that situation. They just don't recognize it. Or, Possibly. Yeah, yeah. Possibly. Or they feel, um, they might feel resentment because this woman has gotten out. Whereas, That's quite possible. Too, yeah, yeah, whereas, you know, I'm still stuck there and, you know, I, 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 I can't find a way out, but she, she's done it. So, you know, I need to tell her now that she's... God, because I feel, I'm not talking about me personally, but I'm just talking as a, as a woman in her own relationship. She might be very, very unhappy behind closed doors, um, but she might see that other woman and think that her life is much better than her own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, the, you know, why do you get to walk off into the sunset when I'm still stuck here? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. True. So there's, there's a resentment. I suppose if I had a magic wand, yeah. What I would love to create is a realization that in abusive relationships, there is no value in blaming the woman for anything. No. That the woman got into it because the guy recognized that she was a decent woman, hardworking and loyal. Yeah. And that that's the kind of woman, if all women were like that, we'd be very proud of them. If my yeah. daughters grew up like that, I'd be very proud of them. So what we're saying, in effect, is that we ignore the intrinsic value of abused women because we think they deserve it or they're too stupid yeah. not to cop on or whatever the way, when the truth is actually the opposite. They're not in abusive relationships unless... They're decent women. That's it. And I'd just like to say to anyone out there that if you, if ever a friend comes to you and, you know, says they're having issues in their marriage or, or troubles or whatever, listen to them. Don't make excuses for the man. Don't say he's, oh, you know, listen to the woman and talk to the woman and speak to the woman about her situation. Don't talk about him or make excuses. You know, you know, playing the devil's advocate where mm-hmm. like, well, maybe let's look at it from his perspective of, yeah. you know, he's tired, yeah. he's home, he's, he's grumpy. Mm-hmm. Just listen to her and talk to her about herself. Or so. as most, uh, the most powerful uh, piece of information that's bandied about uh, by uh, men and women who want uh, sympathy yeah. is that they had a rough childhood. Oh, yeah. 
Now, most of these guys didn't have any rough childhood any more than anybody else, <laughs> but they use and they develop stories about their childhood, which really evoke sympathy from all the caring professions okay. and from all the women. Because they, they eat that stuff up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. all down to their, their childhood. Well, this goes back to their mothers, really. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Now, some of them are... We're talking about the mother. The mother yeah, some of them again. are. Some of them are difficult, <laughs> but it's not the. It's not how the. It's not how it happens. No, no, the, no. These no. guys. As, uh, as we said before, you can get two, three, four, five, five kids from the same family, and they're not. Absolutely. They're not all going to come out um, in the same way. So, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think we're coming to the end, are yeah. we? Yeah. yeah. So, what I'd like to uh, sign off with is the idea that instead of understanding. Instead of being expert on whatever is going on, our first obligation is to stop the abuse. Okay. So whenever and wherever we encounter a person who is being abused, our job as human beings is to do something to stop the abuse. After that, we can analyze it, we can develop it, we can get all sorts of theories, but we have a duty, a moral duty, to stop the abuse. That's it. And that that's not just for authorities or agencies. That's for every Everyone. person who walks out of their house every morning. Yeah. If you have a friend who you think is abusing their partner, deal with it. Don't be their friend anymore. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. don't support these people. You yeah. know. Um, back, back in the time of the Vikings, which was a good bit before me even, um, they had a rule that any man who abused a mother would be ostracized from the community. That thinking needs to be reestablished. Yeah, because I I think if you if you support an abuser, if you know if they've been abusive to you, if they mock you, they mm. belittle you, they you know they might be your friend. You can imagine how the person lives with them, sure, what their life is like. But you're still friends with them. You go out drinking with them. Yeah. you know you have the crack, you laugh, and you have a joke. Yeah. Don't do that. No, it's time. Stay to away them, from them. Put them, put yeah. them out, of the, out of the community in a way, and 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 treat them as pariahs yeah. because they do see a them huge, for who they are they do a huge amount of damage just finishing up on one note there was a bit of research published yesterday I think where uh, the highest uh, death rate of suicide in the Dublin area was of men between 18 and 24 okay and I have met a number of men whose parents I worked with whose mother I worked with over the years and they have told me that they also felt suicidal because they were unable to protect their mothers when they were growing up. Yeah, that's an awful burden. The burden passes to the next generation and decent young boys can be really traumatized by what happens in their homes. The guilt again eats them up and they they can't get over it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Dan. Thank it's you. been a lovely conversation again Indeed. as usual. Yeah, it's very, very pleasant. And thank you for being uh, able to listen to me because uh, I could talk all day. Oh, I love listening <laughs> to you, don't worry. <laughs> um, so thanks, guys. And um, thanks, Elaine, again for helping us out. Don't forget that we're on Facebook and Instagram at stepstofreedom.ie. So please get in touch if you if you want to have a chat or if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like um and just say a number of women have already contacted me so I'm delighted with people making contact and I'd be open to talking to anybody that sounds good great thanks Dan we'll see you next time